Hey friends, today I'm very thrilled to share some exciting news about my latest book, Positional Authority Ain't Leadership, Behavioral Science for Navigating Bullshit, Optimizing Performance, and Avoiding Ask Clownery. It's just been released and it's already soared to number one bestseller status across six categories on Amazon. It's a book that dives into how behavior analysis can revolutionize leadership and it's packed with insights and strategies for navigating complex organizational dynamics. But I know what you're thinking. There are countless leadership books out there, right? What makes this one stand out? Well, it's not just about theories and abstract concepts. Positional Authority Ain't Leadership is about actionable, science-based tactics that address real-world challenges. So if you're looking for a guide that combines behavior analysis and organizational behavior management with practical, down-to-earth advice, Positional Authority Ain't Leadership is the book for you. Welcome to the Thoughts and Rants of a Behavior Scientist show. Hosted by Wall Street Journal and USA Today best-selling author, Dr. Pauly. All right. Thanks for joining me again on the Thoughts and Rants of a Behavior Scientist podcast. I have uh, my buddy, uh, Steve Ward, who's a behavior analyst, back on. And uh, Steve was actually, I think, listening to another episode I had done with David Roth, and we were making some comments on, uh, you know, our, on some of the language that's used in the field and how it's... Uh, how it's perceived and emotional responses that aren't necessarily in line with, you know, what, what the term means. And, uh, Steve reached out to me and said, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit some, uh, about this. And he sent me a PowerPoint and I read it and I laughed my ass off <laughs> as I was doing it because the points were just so great. And so many people just see these words or hear these words and like this bad, that good, you know, it's like, well, hold on. You know what I mean? We got to take a look at what's underlying. You know, what, what's what's at the root of this? So, you know, Steve, welcome to the uh, podcast again. And, uh, you know, give, give us your thoughts, man. Thanks, Paul. And thanks for having me again. Love being here. Um, yeah. Yeah. My thoughts are uh, the nutshell version of the thoughts are that we use terms to describe things. And, you know, the master of this was Jack Michael. He, he could take like six pages explaining why this term is the right term for something. And that's the wrong term for something. This used to be your term and this is your new term. And you're like, yeah. That has to be right. Uh, so, so I'm not trying to do this to that level, but I see that uh, the, the way that we communicate with each other within the field and, and outside of the field with parents and teachers and stuff, um, the way that we communicate is, I think, increasingly leading to misunderstanding, mis- miscommunication, um, emotional knee-jerk responses. I, I don't think that most of that miscommunication is intentional. Maybe sometimes like not like the politicians do on, on TV. That's that's intentional miscommunication and then, you know, using a word just to confuse everybody. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right about that. I think, you know, I think there's a bunch of well, I, I shared off air that when I was doing a presentation at a particular uh, uh, conference this past year and there was some controversy out there about contingent electric shock. Uh, some people have jumped on me, man. They were they were pretty nasty in some of the words that they said to me. But I do know in the end their intent is good. You know, I don't think you know they're 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 malintended. They really want to make a difference. But so do we, which is the kind of the points that David and I make. We want to make a difference too. So it's clarifying. It's getting through the fluff and getting them back to the science. Yeah, yeah. I'm not advocating. Okay, here's our our book of jargon that we're going to use, and everyone needs to stick with the book of jargon. I'm not advocating that at all. But I, I do notice things. Uh, like the term compliance has has um, taken on a lot of unfortunate meanings, mm-hmm. and and it does even for me. Even for the last fifteen or twenty years, I usually wouldn't come in a meeting in a with, with mixed company, especially you know um, principals and teachers and parents all in a meeting. I usually don't use the word compliance for what Dr. Partington would have called going along. Or but in those meetings, I usually <laughs> call it uh, cooperation, mm-hmm. like hey, we're getting along together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? Really, compliance and cooperation are different things. They really are. In cooperation, we have a, a project we're working on together that we're both trying to get done. And in compliance, I'm telling you something to do. <laughs> you know, and th- those are different things. Yeah, and um, some people think that we should never tell the others what to do, ever. We should right. always get their permission, which is, you know, I know part of what you want to get into this thing of, uh, on ascent as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it, uh, <clears throat> any good idea can go too far. Um, 
So uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put a bow on the last <laughs> on the last part about the compliance. I, it's it's unfortunate that it comes to mean to people to hear the word compliance. We could just mean, um, hey, Paul, you're close to those apples. You want to give me one of those apples? Yeah. Oh, that, well, that's doesn't seem like it's torture in the least, does it? <laughs> you, you can reach it. You have to do it. I'll say thanks. You know, uh, that, that's compliance. <laughs> don't walk too near the side of the road. You could get hit by a car. It's my kid. I need Put compliance there. Right. That's compliance technically. Right. And no one's, I don't think anyone's saying everyone needs to stop putting on seatbelts because that constitutes compliance with a mandate from the government. Well, and it's not, and, and there's other words, like what other words uh, are along the lines of compliance that you know of that evoke that kind of like emotional response? Uh, well, punishment is an, that's an easy one. Coercion. Um, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. coercion has has gotten that that paintbrush is a couple of miles wide now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> calling things coercive that are that some are simply what would have been called compliance. Before. I think we. I wish we could actually. Uh, Dave and I were talking about this, and he he actually came up with a good definition. But I wish we could separate the words punishment and coercion. They they get conflated as well. And I'm like, I think yes. punishment just is. You know, what I mean, I think maybe for deliberately doing something, they're overused. I forget how we put them. Like, yeah, that's what we need to do because. We need to get punishment out of the the, the hot out of the hot seat. You know, it's yeah. in the hot seat constantly. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to do. I, I guess, but I, I'm not. Uh, I never became expert in act stuff. But the thing, the diffusion, mm-hmm. right? Like, let's use some really easy examples of punishment. That's just like that's right. I stubbed my toe. I think that was David's example, or that, that was someone's example on a podcast I listened to recently. I stubbed my toe. That was punishment. Yeah, I mean, you know, punishment of me walking without paying enough attention. Yeah. That's punishment, and I throw that word out, and no one feels like someone needs to go to jail for that. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, this stuff happens all the time, man. You know, like if in, when you're learning something, sometimes people want to be punished. In other words, like, hey, don't don't do the math uh, problem that way. Do it this way instead. You know what I mean? Here's why. And so, great. Thanks for yeah. teaching me better. That's a more efficient way to do that. <laughs> yeah, good. yeah. What's, <laughs> that what's, good. What's the problem with that? You know? Yeah. Sports coaches, all of that, right? It's like, yeah, here's how to, here's how to do your jump and here's how not to do your jump. Uh, Don't do yeah, this, do that. Examples. And then yeah. the, we got all this, all these, uh, unethical things happening. I put, I should put that in air quotes, unethical, because the, the learner then on the broad jump is complying with the direction. It was a demand and they were punished for doing it the wrong way. <laughs> no, that's a great <laughs> illustration, right? Yeah. What that, 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 I think we need more, more of what you're doing, uh, more of these illustrations out there so we can just kind of back off a little bit. We know what everybody's saying, right? And really they're saying, stop, don't be, don't be coercive to people all the time, you know, right. create an environment that is rich enough in reinforcement, but it can also be, a, as Merrill says, a prosthetic environment, you know, how we, that, that has all sorts right. of negative ramifications as well. As you would mention in your, in your talk about like ascent, giving people getting ascent for everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that uh, I, I never really got into that much like the uh, sensory regulation or, or, you know, those terms, they get, too fluffy for me to follow. And sometimes any, any fine theory can be overused, but I have seen, I'm confident. I've seen examples where kids are so disorganized. They're so kinetic. They're moving around so much, doing a little bit of this, uh, doing something repetitively. And they're not, they're already not happy. If, if I didn't say boo, if I didn't say anything about doing anything, they're already unhappy. <laughs> They're just like agitated at baseline. Yeah. And some of what they could use is us to help organize them a little bit. Be like, let's do this thing now before we do that thing. Let's Montessori even. Let's clean up this mess before we go and start a new one. I could use that in my own life. <laughs> if I organize it, when you're more organized, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Uh, Anik and I did a, a talk uh, the other day. We were setting up uh, you know, the uh, the other week. We were setting up the all the tables, and I realized like we were didn't have a system for doing it, so it took us longer. Like we weren't organized in our approach, you know. Oh, and I yeah. thought, it would have been so much easier and efficient, and we would have got done quicker, and I would have felt better about it instead of being like, "What do I do?" What I had to rely on her to give me all the directions, you know, do this, do that, you know, and because <laughs> you know it would have been better. So, but in our everyday life, we all want to be organized. Yeah, and then you were complying with her instructions. She was compliance training, and I was like, <laughs> and I was thankful to it, and you know, so I had yeah. to be mindless about. Thank you for telling me to do this. Thank you for telling me, and we got it done, and it turned out, you know, beautiful. Thank goodness. 
I think back bringing it back around part of the like all these nice examples of of punishment and I won't use the term coercion here uh but compliance all these nice normal examples of it where it's a good thing um it's unfortunate that a, a percentage of behavior analysts hear compliance and they think stand up sit down stand up sit down stand up sit down yeah which is you know basically a punisher <laughs> you would very very rarely use for someone with you know massive non-compliance problems right so so what is you know when come let's cuz we didn't really I jumped in and maybe, I think maybe earlier than you, you had expected perhaps, but like with the scent, can we give, can we give it examples of like, uh, first of all, what a scent is, um, you know, when is it good and when might it not be so good? Regardless of your title, if you are a behavior consultant who is working in or with schools and you are struggling and wondering why your interventions are not producing the desired results, you are not alone. Unfortunately, those tasked with improving behavior in schools are too often left to carry the burden by themselves. You are the behavior person, so you take care of it, is the unsaid mantra. But you can't improve behavior and the associated outcomes by yourself. In fact, Creating sustainable improvement in student behavior almost always requires changes in the performance of the educators. I'm Dr. Pauly, and along with my colleagues Anika Costa and Matt Sicoria, we are designing coursework called the Behavioral Toolbox. In it, you will be taught strategies grounded in organizational behavior management for consulting in schools in a way that brings out the best in educators so they can bring out the best in the students they serve. If this sounds exciting, be sure to click on the link in the description to sign up for more information. Yeah, yeah. Um, assent is basically, I, I see it as a more localized version of consent, right? Like, oh, oh, informed consent, sign off on the plan. And it's there's a lot that would go into our learners being able to actually give their consent with properly being informed. <laughs> or even a parent really being informed and, and all those sides. But I'll set that aside for a second. I think assent is more the moment to moment. Okay. Um, you would like me to practice my handwriting now. Um, yeah, I'm up for that. I'll, I'll come do that. I assent versus like, this is getting too hard. You're being too mean. This is going too long. My hand's getting sore. I'm going to withdraw my assent. I'm no longer interested in doing this handwriting. <clears throat> and you had this prize available. The prize is no longer worth it to me. Uh, so I'm withdrawing my assent. Okay. Uh, and I I have been very, very much about that, you know, for, for decades. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't make any sense not to be, <laughs> not to be about that because we don't make our living, you know, trying to teach learners academic things. And I use the term academic as like, it's not functional or relevant or meaningful for them now. It's like right. an academic exercise. Mm -hmm. um, we don't make our living getting them to do things that they find irrelevant through coercion, right? Getting past the time, that's, that's no way to make a living. Um, so so I'm, on, I'm totally on board with that, that kind of assent um, observation and respect for assent. Mm. Uh, where it goes too far is some of our, uh, not even some of our, um, let me get my wording right on this. <laughs> People frequently in the moment don't make a choice that is the best for them several moments from now. Right. Okay, okay, now, let, so there goes a key word, right, where somebody was, I think, I can imagine those advocating for this jumping on you, you know, well, uh, that's, that's how you feel about it. What about how they feel about it? But you now you but you give a great illustration, you know, about dentist, the, the, the going the example of going to oh, dentist. Yeah. So give that illustration, because I think that lays it out very clearly, like, listen, you can't, yeah. you know, there's two sides of this coin that you do it so yeah. great. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It, it's a, I like the example <laughs> and I did, I, I, it's a real one. I did take some crap for this. Um, there was a kid who um, has always had quote unquote anxiety issues, you know, some challenges. It's, it's tricky to, to sustain good ascent all the time. Mm -hmm. um, even though we're always, you know, thoughtful about it. One of the things that happened, especially during COVID, when he couldn't be out in the community as much, is he became more rigid. 
about, you know, I don't go places in the car. And if I do go places, it's these two places. So they were trying to take him to the dentist for the first time in about a year. And he has big dental problems. Um, so they're trying to get him to the dentist. And they couldn't get through the lobby doors downstairs without really serious aggression. <clears throat> so then it's like, okay, now what's what's more respectful to him, right? I mean, we can't, I don't think anybody would say he's never going to the dentist. Um, and And his mom is very informed medically she's a medical doctor uh so she also understands the problems of putting him under so he can go to the dentist right that's that's no joke mm-hmm. putting <laughs> putting someone with some fragility under is no oh joke. oh my god right right <laughs> we don't you don't want to do that much mm-hmm. um so she she's motivated to get him there he would never in a million years we said okay when are you ready to come and get checked up and cleaned never <laughs> okay, so a couple of years, years to now, they're going to rot out of his head and he's not going to be able to eat meat. And, you know, his, things are not going to be going well. So it, it's on us. Um, and, and in this example, I don't know how far you want me to go down the example, um, but I had a very thoughtful approach. Well, yeah, give me a thoughtful approach because I like I, what you said here specifically, I thought was just beautifully said. It just it gets to the root of the matter. Yeah. Um, see if I can remember what I said. Uh, well, let me. I'll, I'll, read, I'll read it back <laughs> to you. Okay? It <laughs> uh, I'll read it back to you because it's, it's. I think it's perfect, right? Oh, okay, great. So, yeah. So we ruin that. Ruin the aesthetic of it. So, uh, which is the worst violation of his rights? Creating a plan to systematically desensitize him to the dentist, putting him under for any dental work, or allowing his teeth to rot out of his head. And right. uh, that's the deal. Like, I don't even know what what other you know what would an advocate of this advocate say like what other options are there i i can't imagine any other options honestly no no realistic ones right and and so you do the systematic sensitization any any thoughtful person with some skills in this area would try to do the systematic sensitization it was wildly effective for him it was a matter of weeks before oh, wonderful in- yeah it was it was wildly effective and he ended up being I, i'll give the other side of this um <clears throat> A lot of our learners, when we have helped them overcome a fear like this, um, when they're in that moment, when he's in the dentist's office, you can tell subjectively he's actually proud. He's like, that's the ultimate ascent. He, he's pr- he knows he overcame it. Everyone around him is sincerely proud. They're not acting excited that he touched his nose for the this time in the month upon direction. Right. There, there's a lot of enthusiasm that goes into praise for simple, simple behaviors. Mm-hmm. Everyone's actually proud <laughs> when you overcame it, made it to the dentist. And our, our learners know that. Mm-hmm. Well, there's man, if things that this is what adversity is, what keeps people from achieving a lot of things. Right. Anxiety, fear, you know, just I just want to avoid this thing. And sometimes somebody helping you get through, you know, being that that coach giving you that push that you yeah. need. And like a lot, I've done a lot of things I didn't want to do, but man, I did it, you know, and it went, because somebody got me through, come on, dude, you need to do it. You know, I even, you know, had some of my, uh, you know, uh, g- friends, you know, shame me a little bit, you know, you yeah. know, don't be a pussy or something like that, you know, <laughs> oh, whatever, man, whatever, you know, and the moment it didn't feel good, but then for me, right. With my history, Gave me enough to get going. And I was like, all right, thank, you know, thank gosh I did this. You know, I was glad that I teed over that hump. And certainly they could said some other things, but that was just, that's our culture. You know, <laughs> I was all to each other. Our culture, you know what? It's not, it's not a big insult in, in that setting for one guy to call another guy a pussy. It's not a big. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't me. Like, whatever, man. You, you know, and we go back and forth, but it resonated with me and it was in, you know, it was an EO. You know, and it yeah. got me going in the right direction to do it. And uh, I wasn't happy about it. And maybe I was doing it because I didn't want these guys to, you know, bust my balls anymore. You know, right. when I did it, I'm like, man, all right. Goodness. You know what I mean? I should go back and that man, thanks for giving me that little kick in the butt. You know what I mean? I appreciate that. But at first it didn't feel great. You know, that's, I think that's a, yeah. a real life illustration in comparison to, 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 to this uh, child, you know, getting his teeth fixed. Yeah. You know, in fact, I, I know that you're heavily, heavily into exercise, the MMA and, and all of this stuff. Um, I can tell you from my own experience with it, I've had at, at the moment, I'm not at a gym where I have a personal trainer. Um, but in a summer in Wisconsin, where Anytime Fitness has a very nice personal training program that's affordable group classes. And I go to those. Mm-hmm. Uh, so somewhere along the way down here in Florida, I saw a guy who was more talented than the trainers there, extremely patient and didn't challenge me 
And, you know, I had the had the motions were all worked out just right, but I didn't feel any strain from anything. And then in this group in Wisconsin, they're just like, this is what we're doing, man. We're doing these burpees with 10 pound dumbbells in each hand. Oh, God. You know, to Thunderstruck, you got to do a burpee every time they say Thunderstruck. It's like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to not do the burpee, yeah. right? I'm going to do the burpee. I'm going to feel good by the end of it, but I would have never done that to myself. Yeah. <laughs> you would have had to do it to me. <laughs> you got to. Well, now you make a, uh, you, you know, you dig deeper now into this ascent. You gave an example of, uh, Darren cleaning his room, right? So I think just digging a little bit deeper about this. You want to? Do you remember what that looked like? You want to unpack that just a little bit? <laughs> I do. Yeah, I go back. I always forget the author on this, but Merrill's always referring to uh, the aversive properties of positive reinforcement, uh, right? That it's only positive reinforcement if it's um, contingent, right? It's contingent yeah. upon the behavior. Mm-hmm. So, so one of the things I think. An over-application of the concept of ascent is that everything is always just positive reinforcement, but they end up sometimes leaving off the part about what happens if the target behavior is not demonstrated, (laughs) the learner doesn't demonstrate it. So in the Darren cleaning his room example, it's awesome. Sure, we're going to go, I forget where I was sending him, it was somewhere awesome, Uh, something he really wants to go if his room is clean. You know, and he's got an hour or two of time to clean it. That's plenty of time. It's not that dirty. Um, and then everyone's happy and thinks it's great ABA if he did clean his room and you go do it. That's the end of the story. That's lovely. Now, what what happens if you come back and his room is not the least bit cleaned? Right now, what the deadline is passed. He has not cleaned his room. Well, that that's that should be less pretty, right? You you could and you could write a dozen different things. You could be like, well, okay, that's it. We're not going. Now you have to clean it with me here watching you clean it, but we're still not going to this place. Or you could say, now uh, you can clean it now, um, and then we're going to go there, but we're not going to do this thing, right? I mean, there's how many different ways can you differentiate the value? Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be just like, okay, it's not clean. Woo, let's go to Chuck E. Cheese. Right, that that has all sorts of other problems there in terms of generalizations that – I've never got to, you know, fall through what I say. The crumbs of say-do yeah. issue. And, you know, you yeah. have issues with, uh, you know, losing instructional control and stimulus control and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Anything that happens once or twice is probably fine. But if that kind of thing, that that non-contingency happened like 85% of the time, Darren's going to be a disaster. He's going to really struggle at college. <laughs> he's going to struggle on the job, right? He's He's, uh, he's got to come under some stimulus control at some point. well that's life that is life you know and like sure we might systematically you know desensitize them to these you know life happenings i i certainly wish that life was like disney world all the time then i guess if it it was like disney world disney wouldn't be disney it would would lose its positively reinforcing characteristics you know right (laughs) which is a whole nother issue you also you 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 give some good examples of you know which of these respects the learner's rights you know which might be effective bossy mans are followed by prompts for polite mans bossy mans reinforce the same as polite mans Bossy mans are followed by 20 seconds of plant ignoring and non-contingent availability renders manning unnecessary. So what was the, what was the point that you were trying to make there? Yeah. And of course we could have, I wanted to just fit those on one slide. We could have had 18 more examples of what happens after a bossy man or a polite man. The point is that um, there is some hopefully overlap between what we decide we think is respecting the learner's rights but also is effective. And that's part, is it code 2.01 being effective? Like we, we're supposed to ethically be effective as well as respecting the rights. Oh. So, right. So yeah, we could, good point. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we are, if we misinterpret assent as I'll just call this kid Darren too, for set lack of a better name. Um, if we think that assent means he's always happy and he gives us a bossy man. And we're like, well, he'd be happier if I gave him this candy than if I didn't give it to him. So I'm going to just give him the candy. Um, what might you get, right? Maybe maybe he relaxes and he's like, okay, I don't have to be so bossy. But maybe you just get more bossy behavior because <laughs> he's getting his way out of it. Sure. And that's at some point, that's really not going to be very habilitative. That's oh, going to get him in trouble with peers, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's not going to work out when he's got kids bigger than him around him. <laughs> yeah, tries- at, at that point, whoever's giving in, like whose reinforcers are we really looking at at that in that moment, right? Is it your reinforcers because you believe everybody should, you know, uh, have give assent or get assent from people, uh, or are we doing what's best for the learner that we're supporting? 
And I think that's what we got to really reflect on that. Like who, you know, (laughs) who's being reinforced here, you know? And some learners, um, you know, there, there's, yes, I agree. Um, there, there's, if we looked at these things on a continuum, let's say like uh, all the way on, like I did on those pendulum slides. Yes. All the way over on this side is like, nope, you had a bossy man. That thing is gone for the day. We're not even talking about candy for the rest of the day. It's like, whoa, that would be extreme. It's, it's hard for me to imagine a circumstance where I would have done that. Yeah. And, um, and for the visual, just for everybody that's listening to this, it says avoid the fringes and it has like a pendulum you know, swinging back and forth. And he's talking about, Steve's talking about like the extremes, one or the end of the other, avoid these things. So I just want to give them the visual. Thank you for that. I I, I frequently forget how to talk on a podcast versus a webinar. No worries, brother. <laughs> um, yeah, so so I, I like to take some exaggerated examples. I can't think of an example where I would have said, Darren had one bossy man for candy today. Candy's gone for the day, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's not going to happen. He needs, needs more learning opportunities. And it wouldn't have been effective anyway. I also, it's hard for me to think of a lot of examples where I'm just like, the candy is everywhere and you're bossy, you're polite, whatever. It's just candy for everything, every time. Um, I think there's there's very <laughs> there's very little argument for that being all and that you effective. get some and you get some, I think, about like, Oprah. <laughs> yeah, make it rain <laughs> and you get candy, you get candy. <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that's, that's frequently not effective. And, and so then the question becomes, you know, how far maybe towards the left side, towards the middle? Uh, there's a lot of kids that if if you said, candy, and I said, candy. And then you echoed, okay, candy. And I gave you the candy. A lot of kids get stuck right there for eternity. Yeah. Just like, and and what about and what about issues with uh, behavioral contrast here? You know, what what yeah, what are the ramifications there? What you're not seeing. Right. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Th- so what how do we try to make it uh if we can fix this rudeness problem, fix that bully problem? Now we have good polite man's are they can go forth and, and prosper. Well, I hope so, man. I hope that, you know, you give candy in for everything. They, they're they going to go back into another environment and like, you know, you're giving candy, Steve, for everything. They come over and see me. and I'm not. They're like, you're a dick. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. So I got problems over there. So when, when people are looking at, you know, what's they're not thinking also about generalization, I think, if they're always looking for this. So what? <clears throat> What would be the criteria if you could lay out criteria? Because again, coming back to the beginning, you're not saying that we should never get a cent. Of course, we want a cent. You know what I mean? We want, yes. and a cent also could be a sales job. Some people are like better at selling stuff. Like it's what I make a living in, like getting people to want to use the science of human behavior because I believe in it. You know, what yes. I mean, I want you to believe in it. You know, and I, I want you to assent to using it and applying it and all these things. And so I've worked hard to craft my message and learn how to inspire people to do that. Not all people have that quality to do that. So when somebody's not ascending, it's not necessarily that it wouldn't be good for them. They wouldn't want it. It's just that the person didn't deliver it very well. They didn't establish it as a reinforcer. Right. Right. And the. It could be a subtle thing. It could just be the enthusiasm. Like, obviously, your enthusiasm is undeniable. It's going to be a force of nature, right? So people are going to gravitate towards that kind of enthusiasm. And it's sincere. Yeah, 100%. But so, so what criteria, though, is there, what would you see the criteria for being like, all right, under these conditions? And maybe you haven't thought about that deep. Maybe it's because I'm putting on a spot. This is like probably a hard thing to do, you know? That's why we're here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, how, have you thought about that? Why? When should you give a cent? And would you, you know, when would it be not a good idea to give a cent if you could just like lay it out that way? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think it would, the easiest way to start it is just that remember what we do. It's always an empirical, it's always an empirical question. So if we were, let's go back to the bully man sort of example, right? Um, we're, we're giving the candy for echoing a calm man after they gave a bully man. Does that get us forward? Does that move us forward? All right, then that's maybe that's good enough. Did we get stuck here? Like, are we stuck? Okay, then empirically speaking, for this kid with this behavior, we need something different, right? Whatever that is, it might be, a, it could be a forgetting procedure. It could be, um, you know, anything else. It could be something getting a little bit stingier, having a little bit of a weight or follow a direction after the bully man. Uh, if we get into, let's go back to the handwriting example somewhat. Uh, so I'm still looking at the trends and I'm looking at, um, okay, you're not naturally interested in handwriting. I tried some things to get you interested in handwriting. They didn't really work, but we, for whatever reason, we really need to get somewhere <laughs> with the handwriting with you in the near future. And um, 
if your resistance is is uh one of the one of the things I will sometimes do is if your is resistance is like knee jerk, um, someone said handwriting and you're like, oh nope, not handwriting, then I know it's not about endurance. I know it's not about right. You didn't cramp up. You didn't nothing nothing. Um, we didn't have the chance to start trying to do it to teach you that it's okay. That's maybe I finally landed on what I was trying to get to. Um, you need some experience with something to learn that it's okay. That's actually a form of extinction, right? It's it's seeing the white rabbit without someone clanking the metal behind your head. A little Albert. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a form of extinction. Like, yeah. hey, you did the handwriting and it was okay mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So some of my learners will sometimes give a little <laughs> bit of behavioral noise with something. It's like, um, uh, whatever. It's like, okay, I could immediately honor that and send you off. But it comes up so fast whenever we start this thing that we can't, I can't show you that it's okay. Mm-hmm. That's all I want to do here is show you it's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you I'm going to escape some ex- of time, extinction here. Yeah. Basically that's escape extinction. It's a form of it. Mm-hmm. We're not saying it's hand over hand on a pen and I'm dragging your arm across the table for an hour. But I think we got to go back fundamentally one step before this though. And that is if we come back and say, well, you know, decision-making, well, why do they have to learn half handwriting? Right. So it's almost like, I don't yeah. know, is it a physical? I mean, we were talking about, you know, if it's pivotal behaviors or behavioral cusp or things that are going to have long-term impacts on this learner, that needs to be taken into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. If it's a meaningless thing and we're doing it because it's the next thing in our assessment and curriculum and everyone else is doing it, then, you know, before I get into this handwriting example, it's like, I don't really think we have to do handwriting, <laughs> right? So let's, let's consider how this matters for this kid. Yeah, it does. And not in the short term, the long term. And of course, also, if there's anything that had to do with uh, safety, you know, to life or limb, you know, this is something else where you can't, you know, assent. There is no assent there. You have to do what's going to keep this person safe and others around them safe. And I think that that removes that ability. And then again, you're coming back to the next thing is like, how is, how is the lack of this skill going to impact this learner in the the near future in the later future and you know if it was writing if this is an important skill for most of us and they don't learn to write man this could have a devastating effect on something or walking you know or you know some of these (laughs) yeah so it's almost like are these you know are these pivotal behaviors or behavioral cusps in this learner's life maybe that drop falls into a category of like you know hey we of course we want to send here and you got to do a better sales job on it but in the end we need to get them over this hump of uh, feeling that this is the, this aversion to it. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's usually a lot of ways. And and for the purpose of the exercise, I don't want to go into all the ways we might sell <laughs> something. There's, there's uh most of the time we can get over it by selling it. Well, uh, but let's take another example, then a non-academic one, putting your shoes on. Uh, you don't have to be functionally independent. You don't really need to have the fine motor skills just for us to get started. Uh, like step one would be you let me put your shoes on, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I'll do it for you if you just don't fight it. That'd be yeah. great. Yeah. So assuming you'd like to leave the room or leave the house, some at some point it's way better to do that with shoes on than not. And it's definitely a cusp in that sense, right? Like there's yeah. a whole world out there that is usually more available with your shoes on than not. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna need to take this on. And if some of our kids are like super knee-jerk. You know, meaning that they avoid like, whoa, no, oh, there's a demand coming. I'm out of here. Um, then we'll do, I'll do some some waiting. I'll do some enticements that are out there. Oh, look at what they're doing out there. You know, I'll do, <clears throat> oh, this kid's got his shoes on. Great. Your sister's out the door. You know, some of those things. Um, so I'm easy. This makes, I mean, it, it to me, it's like such, it's so logical. It makes sense in any you know, all of us in the field who really want to help people, I don't, it almost seems inarguable. So as I'm thinking about this, I'm like, maybe they're arguing, are they arguing on the point that coming back to, for lack of a better term, doing a better sales job, like, hey, you need to gain a sense, so you need to be better in this area. Do you think that's where they're hanging their hat more on or? I think that's <clears throat> one of the places they're sometimes hanging their hat is do better at sales. And I'm generally, you know, I'm generally on board with that, right? Like we some of the problem with people punishing too much is they just weren't creative enough or patient enough. Yeah. And you should be creative and patient, but then like everything can go too far. So that, that great idea can go to the point of basically 
you've seen this a thousand times. People are now coming in and dancing around in clown outfits with sparklers and candy pops and stuff. <laughs> just to try to get <laughs> and that's good. In fact, there's a good picture of you in that. <laughs> I love that. You guys make sure you check out Steve's book. Uh, what's the name of the book with you with the, the clown? Uh, okay, there's, there's two of me with the clown. The first one is what you need to know about motivation and teaching games mm-hmm. and in-depth analysis. And the second one is... Uh, Another 21 games that I do or 26, I think 21 games. Uh, this time it's personal. So, so, and so Steve is, uh, uh, he's an advocate of using positive reinforcement, making things fun for kids and getting them involved in it. He's not coming into the, you know, from the position like we need compliance for people. He's like, man, make it fun, make it reinforcing for people. But when you, when you do stuff reasonably in the environment, and I think that's probably where we get to what's reasonable and what's not, you know, and I know that's what you were getting with the pendulum. This is, you know, reasons in the middle. You have these extreme sides. We need to avoid both of these extreme sides. I think that's probably what's hard for our field uh, to figure out, to operationalize, because how can you, you know, how can you, it's all contextual, you know, how can you, and it's all historical. What's reasonable for this person is not reasonable for that person, you know, and the environments are so different. So that's a very hard thing to figure out. It is. Yeah. And you can't put a number on it. I can't quantify it and say, um, if this kid takes more than a minute and 45 seconds to, to allow you to try to put a shoe on, then that's too long. That's your time limit. There's no number that can be put on it, but it's a, over the course of a week. Is he making incremental progress forward to, to letting you put his shoes on? Or, and, and one of the ways we talk about this a lot is our kids are shaping us sometimes, right? And they, they should be in the sense that we're responsive to learning and we're learning how to teach them the best. But they shouldn't be in the sense that little Timmy has just a circus comes to town to try to get his shoes on. And you see at the end of the week, it's taking longer than it was at the beginning of the week. Actually, all right. So that became now that is something concrete that we could all hang our hat on for that one. Right. You can see that that's a hard number. Dad is going in the wrong direction. I just wish there was something more like if you and I were sitting somewhere and I'm and I'm like, we need a scent and you're like well you know like let's take a look at this and you could give me something reasonable and your response would be like hey we tried it here's what we did you know here's what didn't try to get a scent i put on the clown hat i set up some reinforcement you know what i mean and like they still don't want it and you know here and then maybe i'm I'm just piecing this together and be like look if we if we don't get if we allow this behavior to uh, occur here are the ramifications, short term, and here are the long term yeah. ramifications, right? So it's like kind of projecting what could happen if we don't get this. And the longer we wait, the more of a problem it is. So perhaps that's part of the dialogue that happens between two people who are on either side of the coin, which we're both on the same side of the coin in the end, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a, what are the ramifications of doing it, of not doing it? Um, what has been done? So give me that data. Yeah. What's, yeah, what's been tried? All of these things. Because I would probably feel better if I was on that side of it to say like, oh, all right, Steve really has tried to get a scent, right? We're we're both coming from the same premise that we want this to be reinforcing to them, you know, and we want them. And we also don't want the kids' teeth rotting out of their head or we don't want them to get hit by a car and all those things. So it seems that what's been done has been reasonable. And it's also like, man, we're waiting this harmful. And there's also the things that people don't like to talk about this but it's true because we're you know we, we're very single subject design we're looking at that individual but let's say yeah. you know you have it's an <laughs> asd unit you know and you have three staff in there well if you know it is what it is maybe they should have five staff but there's three if we're taking all this time trying to you know get assent from the this the student the other students might be deprived of their learning opportunities as well because of the focus on that so that's a real thing people say well they should have more but the fact but they don't. They don't. <laughs> it is what it is. You know, we all want it for them, but it's not. So there are other ramifications. There's a ripple effect that's going on within that environment. Yes, yes. And if we thought about it as like put a nice shiny light on the positives that it could be, if we just took <clears throat> makeup kid Timmy and taught him that it's cool to go along. It's cool to comply if you want to call it complying, whether people are clicking when you're doing it or they smile when you do it. You always get done in a timely manner. It always works out for you. Nothing nothing super crazy hard. You come from distances. Now we take Timmy and package him that way and send him to that classroom. Mm-hmm. Oh, Mrs. Johnson called me over. I, the smart thing to do is to go over. 
there we go. And now we just, we just got on with it. And then we can have some fun when we're there. Hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. can, she can teach me some stuff and I can be proud about that. And it can be meaningful stuff. It's if we can somewhere along the way, there's a threshold where um, we can establish just a general inclination to go along with most things from most people, mm-hmm. not from strangers, right? We don't have to go into that. Sure. That's <laughs> don't a whole take anything to the extreme. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> So it, actually, as I'm thinking about this more now, what are we think about the time involved in this? And I think there's an this is needs to be reflected on ethically. Let's say, all right, we went this direction of ascent and uh, we're getting we're getting progress. But in the end, it took a year and a half to get something that we could have right. done in a week and a half, let's say, yeah. you know, which is better. Is that OK? Is that ethical that spent a year and a half getting this one thing, and in this case, again, the teeth, that means how many more teeth were rotted out, you know, and the year and a half spent doing that. What other skills now have not been learned because the focus has been on this particular thing? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, at those parameters, at the ones you said a week and a half versus a year and a half, um, I'd be real interested in avoiding the year and a half. It's not to say that, oh, if you would just be coercive, everything would be so much faster. Of right. course, we're not saying, right, be more coercive, faster. Um, but the, the the argument made for, let me change the parameters for a second and say it's a one week versus one month. That's still like we'd way rather have it done in a week than in a month. But if one week gets a kid who's apathetically willing mm-hmm. to be passively noncompliant at the table and kind of let you mo- puppet them. Mm-hmm. Um, but a month gets you someone who's scanning the table and working for themselves. I'll take a month. Right. If the, the point would be, do you end up in a different place? That's one of the reasons that ascent is so worth us considering. Both kids are ultimately doing their their homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is really applying themselves enthusiastically, and the other one is like doing as little as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'll then I'll invest a month in that instead of a week in that. So th- this is probably something we're not so great at in our field. That is kind of projecting, right? If we go on this path, what are the and we should be because when we have the data, but. I mean, I, I suppose this could all be, you know, laid out on a nice graph. If we were saying like, all right, this trend's going to get us here. I, you know, if we wanted to, you know, make this empirical, but I think that projecting on what's going to happen over the future, if we continue on this path is going to be an important piece of the puzzle, you know, all the good things and all the bad things that could happen. Yeah. And a lot of that just, you know, unfortunately it just comes from experience. You know, I like to say, Okay, I'm in I'm in this setting now and I say, oh, I've read this book before. <laughs> I, I know where this one's going because mm-hmm. I've lived it so many times. Yeah. So I can, if I can see that trajectory, then I know it's like, yeah, that's I don't want to go down that road. I've read the book. Yeah. Uh, so that's something that, you know, our newer behavior analysts just need to be around experienced behavior analysts, some and and listen to all of your podcasts, of course. <laughs> right on well that, that's a good point man you have to go to people with the experience that that are you know more uh higher aptitude at predicting you know the outcomes of this if it's on this path uh you know and then, you know perhaps they big keep their own standard acceleration chart so they can compare trends in the yeah. in the future as it happens you know if they really want to dig into it in, empirically i don't know but these are this is an important conversation man um, I, you know, I, hopefully this gives some folks just some guidelines with, you know, it's just, everything doesn't go into one bucket. You know, you really have to, you know, not all ascent is good, you know, uh, but it is good a lot of the times. Um, you know, it's kind of like saying that all positive reinforcement is good. Well, no, it's not. You right. know, it's screwing right. a lot of things up. We have a bunch of addicts because of positive reinforcement, you know, like, right. yeah, it's a positive is not all good and negative is not all bad. You know, punishment is not all bad. You know, we don't want coercion. It's like we need to. And I think under these conditions, by the way, with the sin, I think as if you if a, if a child is in a or an individual is in a richly uh, reinforcing environment, um. The other ripple effects, the other outcomes, the impact of using some sort of compliance with them is probably going to be minimized. You know, they're, you know, all right. Hey, Steve's not so bad. I'm getting all sorts of stuff. I love this guy. He's fun. We're doing this. All right. You maybe go to Dennis and you get him through there and it helped. He's going to be thankful to you, you know. But if all we're doing is compliance with them and we're using aversives to get this, then, man, we're going to get a, a pretty bad extinction burst. And there's all sorts of terrible outcomes that are going to happen because they don't want to be around Steve anymore. They want right. to be in the classroom anymore and all these things. So I think all that stuff's got to be, you know, considered in, in this formula for deciding to, you know, 
go past the Senate and just get get this done. Yeah, yeah. The, the usually the question for me is like, I think if I was just a little bit more, um, I'm cut. It's not forceful. If I was a little bit more like, no, come on, let's actually do this. Um, would that just get me there in a pretty smooth way, like really fast? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. Why then? Why not? Why wouldn't you do that? Well, well, and and also, if you did it and I got there, what are the outcomes of that? You know, is it good for the kid? Yeah. And it is also good for our relationship because if again, if all that's if everybody were to come to the table and say, well, this can be quicker. Let me do it this way. But all we're doing that is with everything. Then, then you have just established yourself as a person who's aversive. And we don't want that. You know, right. that's the exact opposite. So we're not advocating for that. It's just like the judicious, reasonable use of assent when it's not dangerous to the person and when the outcomes, you know, uh, the, the negative outcomes don't outweigh the positive. I might have said that backwards, but you know what I mean. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we need the positive. Uh, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. You got to balance, man. It's like the scales. Like everything has an outcome. It's not just what's happening in the moment. It's not about that word. It's not about robbing people's ability to make some sort of choice, you know, uh, which that brings it down to the, the simplest version for everybody to understand. And you you talked about this. In, in, in your deck, you know, that choice is good, you know, but uh, there's lots of good choice, but there's also lots of bad choice. Yeah, there, there's bad choice. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of a, a, probably at least 10 percent of the kids I've worked with in a year um, hate being given choices. They loathe it. They don't want you to give them a choice. <laughs> they want they just either want you to say, here's what we're doing now. Uh, and of course, you don't want to stay there forever, right? You want to help them through that problem because life does involve some choice. But it does challenge the notion that choice is necessarily always a good thing. And and then some of our younger behavior analysts follow uh, really terrible problem behaviors, unsafe problem behaviors with extra choices, thinking this is going to be the fix. Uh, right. This, I'm going to cheer them up by giving them more and more choices. And it's not our, our kid is losing their shit. And, but, but, and I'll give you a couple of real life examples. One is that every time I get on my cable and I have so many choices, there, I'm like, oh, my God, I almost wish I had a limited choice because I can't figure out what I want. And like yeah. <laughs> um, going to the, the other day again, when we're setting up uh, to do a talk with Anika. I didn't want choice and stuff. I just wanted her to tell me what to do so I could set this stuff up and get it done right. You know, that created anxiety in me. Like, where do I go? Where do I start doing that? And it just made life easier. It's very efficient. It's also like driving to work. Imagine that if there was no, you know, roads and like, you know, we had choice of the direction we all wanted to go. It would be very confusing here, but this, there is no choice. You got to go here and you got to make a right and go in these directions. And it makes life so much easier. I don't have to think about it. Yeah. I don't have to make a choice every time. Yeah, I'm, the GPS, I'm compliant as hell with the GPS. Thank you for telling me what to do all the time, man. I love the GPS, man. Uh, yeah, man, when I'm not compliant, man, I suffer every time. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Well, man, this has been, a, I think, an important talk, brother, for some folks. And hopefully, the, the, you know, of course, the, I hate to think talk about sides there is no side but we're on the side of the learner we want to make a difference maybe it's just that people good people just like we're good people with good intents who believe in ascent we believe in ascent as well maybe they just think a a little bit different about that it's not like a black and white thing you know it's just like hey just consider these other things when you're on that side of the coin you know and it's not it's not always you know the wrong thing to not get ascent you know sometimes it's just necessary to move forward but just just weigh this stuff out yeah, don't don't be afraid to just kind of sometimes suggest, you know, we, we actually are doing this, which does not mean you grab the kid by his forearm and jerk his shoulder out of his socket to get him to go do something. Yeah, yeah. It just means like, you know what, I gave you a chance to think about it and try it a second time, a third time, and I put my hands out to be ready to help you if you were going to be allowing me to give you some assistance. That's what that's what it can mean. Yeah, and I think that if we were if you we were at a table, because this is probably what happens, I can imagine. Let's say it's an IEP meeting. You're at, there's a bunch of people at a table talking what's best for the student, and of course, people say, we we need to get a cent from the job, and you know, and like people don't want to argue about it. I think rather than go face to face with somebody, say, well, let's okay, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's been done. Let's talk about what happens if we don't you know get a scent what or if we try to get a scent it takes time what might happen and so give people all the data right again project them let them you know bring them in the future what could happen either way and then you know so it doesn't become like i'm fighting you on this you know it's like really giving people some more of the data so they can make their own decision about it and maybe that will make things a little bit better for everybody yeah yeah we 
try to give enough choice is <laughs> still, you know, give a little bit of direction, a little bit of projection. Here's where I think that's going. I would advise this, you know, but uh, I'm not shoving it down your throat. Well, that's it. So it's like getting, getting a scent from the people at that table, right? Yeah. It's also, <laughs> yeah. you know, applying that same concept to them by giving them enough information. So, you know, <laughs> we got to <laughs> zoom out, man. Look at the big picture. Well, Steve, thanks for being on the show, brother. Uh, how can people contact you? I know you already dropped information on your book, so make sure you send those to me so I can put those in the show notes. But uh, just give a little information about you know how they can contact you. And also, like, what is it that your service set are available? What do you do? How can you help schools out or people, clinics or whatever? Okay, great. Uh, we have a website, wholechildconsulting.com. Whole is obviously with a W. So we're not making holes in kids. We're looking at entire kids. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and uh, we have a Facebook page. <clears throat> Um, the Good Learner Repertoire Facebook page. Um, I'm very active on that page. Uh, whenever anyone's up, I'm I'm there. Um, so people can reach us through either one of those. Uh, well, we we offer a, a wide array of services. I do a lot of training and supervision of other behavior analysts. Uh, I do a lot of training on you know here's how to take more advantage of shaping as, as an example at, at the levels that sometimes are well frequently are not readily available in larger institutions like a whole school district mm-hmm. um there's they can generally use some thought especially with their more challenging kids yeah people need supervision um, man i'm glad you're offering that service thank you thank you yeah. um i i do webinars and um distance consults a lot of them for newer behavior analysts who would like some training wheels or for people who are working with more challenging kids Okay. Uh, so I don't get a lot of, hey, my kid's running through language for learning. He's doing great. Um, what do you think we should do next? I don't get a lot of that. Yeah. <laughs> I get a lot of, my kid won't blank. <laughs> what, how can we take it on? Yeah, they call, I mean, if you're having like tough problems with, tough behavior problems with the kids, Steve's the guy to call. You know, wherever you're at, whatever your setting is, this is the guy that can get in there and figure out what's going on for you uh or supervise you through the whole whole process so steve thanks a lot for coming on i'm sure i'll have you on again in the, the near future and it's been great man it has been thanks Polly. be well and thank you for tuning in to the thoughts and rants of a behavior scientist show